0: hello and welcome to living while feminist living while feminist is a weekly podcast talking with feminists about the ups and downs ins and outs and the emotional roller coaster ride of living a feminist life i'm your host feminist writer researcher and author jen thorpe Today on the podcast I'm talking with Sangose Tembo. Sangose works in the field of social justice. For the past seven years she's worked and volunteered for social justice impact organizations including One Young World, Population Council and the Centre for Feminist Foreign Policy. In 2016 she founded The Best of Africa, an online media platform that promotes freedom of speech through written and visual content on Africa. The platform has published over 400 stories from 150 individuals from 20 countries in Africa and the diaspora. For her work at The Best of Africa, she received recognition through the Young African Leaders Initiative in 2017 and the Tony Elumelu Entrepreneurship Programme in 2018. Sangose is a regular contributor on The Best of Africa and now works independently as a development consultant. Her piece in Living While Feminist is called Human and in that piece she says Everyone's experience is different but I know that many can relate to being othered on a daily basis based on biological attributes. Through comment and actions that call attention to our skin, body, hair and more the world reminds us of our race and gender while questioning our ability to get work done. So today I'm going to be talking with Sangose about what it means to be human and who we have to convince that this should be a position we can all occupy. Welcome, Sangose.
1: Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you so much.
0: You speak in your piece about a constant experience of surveillance and commentary about your body, choices and your speech. Why was this an important starting point for your piece?
1: Um, I think um so as a human I'm British and Zambian, right? And I'm black as well. So I come from the southern part of our continent, but then also had I don't know if we could call it privilege, but it was also, you know, just due to economic reasons. My mom's an economic migrant, so I moved to England um when I was a teenager in my late teens. And so, you know, being exposed to two different cultures. So there's, you know, my African culture that, you know, women are treated very specific in that culture. And then there's the Western culture, which, you know, I'm a black lady. So, you know, it was difficult to get jobs. My name stands in the way of just doing things. People make comments that don't realize what they are saying, even from fellow black people, it's you're a lovely black girl. So, you know, in, in all my interactions with people, they sort of tell you who you are, if that makes sense, uh, based off of just, you know, basically the way you look and your gender. And so I remember, I think we had a we had a thing in my family at the time, and I was frustrated with my brother, and he, and he was calling us, you know, sharp-tongued for ladies, me and my sisters. So I thought, hmm. So then I just started writing, you know, all these descriptions that people have had over the years of me for being me, you know, my physical attributes for being black, for being female, for being British and Zambian, and it all just, you know, at the end of it, my thought was, you know, I'm all these things. I'm black, I'm female, you know, but at the end of it, I'm just a human being, aren't I? Which to my family, I'm just a person who's, you know, got a career, who's just, you know, whatever positive attributes they, they think, you know, best describe me is who I am outside of what the world is constantly telling me I am. I'm just a human to those that love me and those that know me well. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: And so how does feminism come into this journey and story? You know, was it feminist ideas that helped you to reclaim or to take ownership of that humanity? Or was it that the two were just aligned processes?
1: I think um, to to an extent they're aligned processes. But I was also raised in a female-led household, so inadvertently I've been feminist or conscious of gender from a very young age, but also told that it wasn't something You know, it it wasn't it wasn't an obstruction, or I don't know if that's the right word to use, but it wasn't something that was going to hold me back, basically. So you know, a lot of what I do, especially in my adult life, a lot of the career path I've chosen, everything has leaned towards gender, and now people even call I'm now a gender expert in in development. So you know, a lot of I suppose the way I see the world is through that lens. So a lot of, um, you know, my writing or any opinions I have about my womanhood tend to just align with strong beliefs around how women should be treated, my history itself, the way I've been raised, the women who've raised me and how they taught me there wasn't a limit. And, you know, also having studied gender, you know, it's everything I've read and all the media I consume, which tends to be you know, to lean towards just gender itself, but also general feminist ideas about, you know, um, being.
0: So you've mentioned in your answer there your mother, but you also speak in the piece about the impact that your father had on the lives of you and your sisters and the expectations of femininity in your household. Can you tell me a little bit about the example your father set for you and how it changed the way you were able to live?
1: Yeah, Mr. So my father is a very, very special character. Um, he's, um, I met him when I was six, so I was adopted into his home because my mother moved away. And so I went to live with her sister and her husband became my father and, you know, their kids, my sisters that way but he never I mean he's a very open person so nobody even knows I'm not really his child but also the way he lives life is just open openness right so in our household there was never um, I mean Zambian culture is very steeped in you know kneel down when you're serving a man and you know do this because you're a woman speak this way because you're a woman as well but my father allowed us to just our opinions if somebody is being unfair to you he'll tell you to learn to not fight but obviously you know speak up for yourself and he just taught us also we all we all have very distinct interests you know our careers are very different from each other we're also taught to just follow i don't want to say your heart but to just follow what your passions are and what you're interested in so for me who likes to read he would bring me crossword puzzles and buy me books when i went to them and you know these dvds and things but he always taught us to just you know, to just be, being a woman was nothing to him and, and not nothing to him, but he didn't place importance on on us acting a certain way or being treated a certain way because we're women. It was a stand up for ourselves and to just, you know, which obviously to many people just leads us to, you know, has led us to just being very opinionated ladies. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, he's just very, he's been very open in just letting us be, pursue our interests with no limits and just just go with whatever it is we're passionate about and you know also taught us to express you know if we're not happy about something to be able to openly express ourselves and to not worry about the consequences of that given you know the the context that we live in.
0: So I wonder if you can tell me a little bit more about the things you speak about in your piece which was an almost constant experience of surveillance and commentary about your body choices and speech what gave you the courage to ignore that commentary and what is some advice you could give to other women who are facing the same sort of backlash
1: so as far as you know what's given me the courage to just be me is it's not easy really it's been growing up and realizing that it's okay to be me right so it's okay to wear my hair this way even though you know for a long time even the women in my family bless their hearts always you know your hair has to be very nicely presented but you know my afro hair is very you know has to be straightened for it to look different which you know it took me a long time to just go you know what i'll get rid of my hair and i'll wear it this way i can wear what i want my little weird you know quirky hippie clothes and and not be judged for it i can you know, delay getting married until I'm 30 without feeling pressure about it. A lot of it has just been, you know, just sitting with myself and going, I'm not going to let any of it bother me. Of course it does sometimes, you know, because nobody wants to be constantly pointed at. But, you know, a lot of it has just been learning who I am and then just learning to be comfortable in it. And I think the era we're in at the moment is always very generous to sort of self-discovery and just being yourself and being comfortable in your skin you know women now black women just have their hair the way it grows out of their head so all my sisters now have their natural hair you know we just do our own thing and it's just been it's obviously a constant battle but I think we live in an era now where it's becoming more and more I don't want to say acceptable but it's easier because there's people who've sort of you know who've laid out a path for you. I know in like Zambia, there's women who fought for you to do certain things and so you're able to do them. And it's just been learning to just be hyper appreciative of people who've opened the road for me to be me, but also learning that I have to carve my own path and just not let pressure get to me. It does because I'm human, but then I've just learned to let it go, move along and I'm happier this way. So I I suppose my advice to other women were... You know, you struggle with your different identities and what people throw at you every single day based off of how you look, where you come from, you know, your culture and all the rest of it. It's to just be you, you know. It, it's an easy existence, it's a, more, a more peaceful existence. Of course, you're going to you know, upset a, a few people. I mean, I've been in jobs where somebody goes, your hair looks like, you know, the man who's mentally challenged at the corner of the street. Like, you get constantly attacked for how you look. But even if you weren't owning your identity, there would be something people find wrong so just live your life and be you and it's it's honestly an easier existence
0: to those closest to you you are just you so tell us a little bit what it means to be zango say what do you do in terms of your work as a gender and development specialist and what does it mean to be feminist in your day-to-day life um
1: so i'll just start with the last one which is what does it mean to be feminist in my day-to-day life it just means you know just living in my skin comfortably and just pursuing my goals without fear really So I have my background is international relations and development, which um, I think I just stumbled into it because I liked stories. So you get to learn about history and who did what to who and then just, um, you know, uh, just analyze it and write about it. So I always wanted to tell stories as a journalist when I was young, but then didn't. So I wound up in international development, then found that I liked to help people. So I spent a lot of my years just, you know, putting myself in different spaces, you know, helping And refugees and asylum seekers, I've I've done some things with young women and girls, and that just sort of led me to create my own platform where Africans and lovers of Africa can get to just, you know, express their views about where we come from, you know, outside of, you know, prevailing narratives that are just steeped in negativity, really, which is war and poverty and all the rest of it. So it's just been, you know, a journey of, especially the last three years, me quitting my job and deciding I just want to be, you know, an entrepreneur which is not easy on its own but establish my own platform but then to you know economically sustain myself while I'm figuring that out I do gender consulting so you know to many I'm a gender expert which I always used to tell myself I wanted to be an expert at some point and it's just well it, it's you know so it's me working on really interesting projects in this context in Zambia it means it's just agriculture most of the time but it's just injecting gender into you know development projects, so in, in you know when people create the projects, they forget to you know to to sort of include how uh, how the impact their projects will have on women and other disenfranchised groups. So my whole job in the last you know, few months has just been to inject gender and all of these. And it's been interesting. And in all of that, I, I suppose Zangosi at the essence, you know, Zangosi, me, is just a person who's always wanted to help people, likes telling stories, but also, you know, believes in the power of her femininity, which, you know, in everything that I do, is just constantly injecting that in everything that I do. You know, I pick careers that are very suited to what I love to do. And, you know, yeah, so that's literally it. I gonna say, it's, you know, it's also just this warrior or trying to be, but also learning to inject gender in people's projects in a context that's, you know, unfortunately, development projects tend to neglect gender. Not I don't know if it's inadvertent, but, you know, it's just, it's just a little dot that people tend to forget about. So it's been interesting just exploring it that way. And, you know,
0: yeah. I mean, I don't think it's inadvertent, in my opinion, it's actually one of the things one of our politicians said once was that's an intellectually bankrupt position. And I think when they ignore gender in development projects, it's actually gender discriminatory. And a lot of the time, they've been told more than once that gender is essential, which is why they've obviously hired you in the first place. Um, but we, that's a debate for another day. Um You say at the end of your piece, my hope is that my children, their children, and those that come after them know that it's okay to be themselves. I want them to know that their curves, coils, and curls, their country of birth, and their choices are all authentic and valid. Our beauty and strengths lie in our ability to be who we truly are, to be human. So this quote gives us a little sense of what your feminist utopia in the future would look like. Could you give us a bit more details on what the feminist future you imagine is?
1: Well, my my ideal, my feminist future would be again one where you know my 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 little black children, <laughs> um, who who also probably have like your uh, identities or anybody really, because we all have different identities that you know that sort of shape who we then become. I I just my ideal scenario is just a world in which you know a person like me or anybody else, a human, a woman can just walk outside and just be able to be them without people constantly you know picking at them for them to be able to just do what they want with their hair to not be uncomfortable about how they look because i know for a long time as you know because of my genetics you know my body is shaped a certain way and for a long time i was very insecure with that because I'll go outside and you know at 12 13 you have men you know saying things to you when it's catcalling and it's all the rest of it so my ideal future is one in which you know just being is respected and you're respected for who you are and what you do and what you're capable of doing I'm a strong believer in the fact that everybody has something to contribute, isn't it? So, you know, in me walking down the street, I have my strengths, you know, some people think I'm a nice person or, you know, I'm giving and and all the rest of it. And the person next to me is just that as well. And, and, And my ideal future is one in which masculinity and femininity sort of brought together in a way that we just respect each other for who we are right and you can just be without people constantly picking at you for your physicality or how you look or you know how you should behave according to whatever it is that we teach our children just the world in which in which you know there's more acceptance really because i think that's what gets into a lot of our heads is just pure like i don't know we're socialized both men and women boys and girls to just view the world in certain in a certain way that sometimes neglects respecting each other for just who we are. So my ideal scenario is just one in which I'm able to be without, you know, with I'm able to be because of who I am, because of my positive values and just not because of how I look or you know what my gender is.
0: And tell me a little bit about founding The Best of Africa. It's a site that you say, it's got over 400 pieces. Why did you decide to found it and what do you hope to achieve with the site?
1: Um, so with the best of Africa, it sort of happened by accident. I had just finished my master's degree and I didn't have a job because it was really difficult. I don't know, I've done all the, I'm, I'm a box ticker and I follow all the rules and, you know, I got all the experience and I did everything I was supposed to. And my ideal job was, you know, I wanted to be secretary general when I was 13. Um, <laughs> so my ideal job was just going into an international organization and then, you know, I'd progress that way, then eventually I'd be secretary general but obviously it hasn't worked out i mean it might work out that way but it hasn't yet but um so you know i finished my uni and it was just you know i just couldn't find a job so my friend suggested to me she goes why don't you you know you have a lot of opinions about politics and all the rest of it why don't you create a twitter account to sort of talk about all the things that you talk about i'm like what if I do a website? So I started it and the whole point was to just talk about politics and development in the African context, which, you know, I'll admit, even I was a bit ignorant about because a lot of my education is very, I mean, a lot of the stuff I've been taught is just very Western centric, as opposed to, you know, anything about the African context. So you know, I started and it was just me writing at first and then I decided to include other people. So I'd job boards and ask people to sort of contribute their opinions and out of that just grew a little community of contributors. I think we've had over a 100- hundred Maybe if not one hundred and seventy heading towards two hundred now, just people who contribute on a regular basis about their opinions about africa and it's not war, it's not poverty it's you know for the africans it's just stuff about pride and being African and proud and for people who are non African it's just you know I came to maybe Tanzania and I love the music there, and I really want to talk about it so the whole point of it is just to just you know create a more positive narrative about where we come from that has nothing to do with war and poverty, but in that we're then, you know, giving people exposure and making their voices heard and and hopefully just having, you know, some form of impact when it comes to, you know, shaping the African narrative in a positive way. And the future for it, you know, now I don't even try to because I get stressed every time I try and just overly pressurize myself about it succeeding and all the rest of it. my goal was always to just create a community and slowly that's happening. So it'd be nice to just create a community, especially in this context where, you know, creative talents are not appreciated that much to, to give people the confidence to be able to do their art and do their poetry and do their writing without, you know, Worrying about it not being a credible sort of career path because that's what we're usually taught in this context. You have to be a doctor, you have to be a lawyer, and all the rest of it. And you know, creative talents aren't appreciated as much. So the future for it is just a platform that finds ways to either do programs or projects that, you know, just dis- that end up adding value to people's creative talents and hopefully earning an income for them.
0: And you're also a writer yourself, you've written on the best of Africa and I've seen a couple of articles that you've written on mental health for Thrive Global. What do you think the social issues are that we should be paying attention to now and what do you think we should do about them?
1: Uh, my biggest obviously you mentioned thrive. My biggest uh, passion is—I mean, I don't want to call it passion—but I'm very hyper aware that in in our countries, in African countries, mental health is not treated with the importance that it deserves. So I'm passionate about that one, and just obviously gender in general, and just women being treated you know, women and men as well. i passionate about masculinity, which I think when it comes to conversations about gender, gender is just globally excluded. Even in libraries, the section of masculinity is tiny, tiny, tiny. Yeah, I think we, we live in an era where, especially with this COVID and everything that's happening, especially in our context, mental health is not prioritized as much and I think if we just spoke to people and, you know, tried to tackle their issues, we would have a more peaceful existence. A little gender-based violence, is very steeped in, you know, substance abuse, which sometimes goes back to people just failing to cope with the situations they're in. And so I'm, I'm very, very passionate about just maybe the first place to to sort of cure our social ills might actually be our minds. Um But also our systems are just a little bit broken as well. It's just an overhaul of, you know, our socioeconomic systems that just don't even allow people to have positive outcomes.
0: I'm asking everybody a few last questions on the podcast. So the first is, do you have a book that has inspired your feminism that you can recommend to all of our listeners?
1: I think it's called Beaches, Bananas and...
0: Bananas, Beaches and Bases.
1: Looking at feminism from spaces that are, you know, just treated as female spaces so you know women as prostitutes or women who sell fruit as well just looking at people's jobs and sort of the gender nuances that are in that and in the same vein I've read something called men without women by Ernest Hemingway which is just men at war and you know just men who who are bullfighters and men who are just spaces that are dominated with men and I think if you look at things that approach stories of men and women in sort of contexts that are specifically related to the agenda then just I don't know it teaches you a lot
0: and then the second to last question that I have for you is do you have a quote that inspires you or that you live by
1: um no, this is terrible I have lots and some of them come from Harry Potter um yeah, I don't know. There's this one that Dumbledore um, has. I don't even remember what it is specifically, but it's about living in the moment because you could die anytime, something along those lines. So just live in the now because the present is important and uh, that's pure paraphrasing, but um, just living in the present because you obviously have no control over what's going to happen the next minute. And you know that's a philosophy I've been living by in the last few years, which is just go for it. Don't be scared. Just get on with your life spread love and do what you love the most because, you, you you know, your life could be taken away from you the next moment, anything could happen.
0: Amazing. I think that's the first Dumbledore we've had on the podcast. <laughs> and then my final question to you today is, do you have any advice for other feminists on their journeys?
1: I think it's just... Um and I say this with my young sister as well, Is just be you. Whatever you love to do, just run with it and chase it. And also don't get caught up in the politics of it all. I know it, it does get frustrating, but I mean, what I've found with the younger... Well, I'm not even that old, but I see a lot of fighting, especially on social media, and just being aggressive about all the rest of it, when, you know, it could just help to also educate ourselves a little more about where we came from, and who, you know, in, in this Zambian context, there's women who, there's a woman who, you know, is the first woman to ever enter a hotel unescorted by a man, and she refused to move, and she was arrested for it, and because of that, I can enter a hotel unescorted by a man. So it's to just, you know, before you just, and it shouldn't always be about reacting, it should be about making change looking to who positively impacted who we are today and what you can do you know outside of just constantly bashing each other you can actually you know action I feel speaks louder than words doesn't it so I feel you know to the younger generation is yes it is extremely angering and yes it will be angering for a long time but what are you doing to make you know positive action outside of just constantly fighting about it and shouting at people about it online. And I know the internet is a big driver of social impact these days, but there's also, you know, if again, in the context that we come from in Zambia itself is there's women who, you know, don't even have half as much, you know, rights as you do so what are you doing to help that woman or to uplift that woman in simple things donate where you can volunteer where you can you know and you're good at something so use your skills for you know positively impacting other people who are not able to lift themselves up
0: so thank you so much for talking to me today i really appreciate your time
1: thank you so much this was really fun for me thank you thank you so much for the opportunity
0: Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Living While Feminist with me, Jen Thorpe. Please do tune in next week to hear more from feminists about their lives and experiences. Take care of yourselves.